Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Energized, Kirby. Energized after the first race of the season. Lots to talk about. I don't, I don't think we'll have to recap the entire race because people saw it. Apparently more people than ever or, yeah. well, in a while. Looking forward to a, uh, a verbal uh, and conversational endeavor with you, Kirby. As always, Justin, as always. Hmm, as always. <laughs> and I'm actually going to do something a little different here and start with an actual IndyCar topic. No, no, no Formula One to kick off the show. Well, we can if you want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could even start off with some NASCAR because the Daytona 500 happened uh, during this uh, during our absence as well. Is it is it over yet? Kerb, okay, you got me into it. The Daytona 500. Now, no, I don't want to. Okay. Oh my God, Kerb, I, I I guess I haven't been watching NASCAR. The whole thing seems ludicrous to me. They're they're literally bumping it, you know, people forward and back, and 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 if they hit somebody off a little off kilter, they send them spinning, and then like the last laps are just like, yeah, it's anybody's guess because people are going to go spinning. The commentators had no were under no delusion that that race was going to end in regular time, nor could they tell you who's going to win because it was just happenstance who happened to be in the lead at the end. I mean, do you feel the same way? I mean, who could sit there and watch that for hours upon end? Well, so there's two different questions there. And one the answer to the first question is that's restrictor plate, restrictor plate racing for you. Every year I watch the last 50 laps or so of the Daytona 500, and that's all I watch. But it's the same way every year. Two. I've come to the conclusion that people watch it because it's in the middle of February, and um, what else are you going to do? I'll tell you what it did make me want to do. It made me want to go watch Talladega Nights again, and I've watched that like 25 times. But it's even <laughs> funnier now. You watch that race, and it's just even more funny. I don't know if it can get any better, but it's a good movie, so go watch it anytime you want. No, but, I mean, you watch that, watch the watch the Daytona 500, and then go watch Talladega Nights, and you just realize that it's just it's so much funnier because it's just like – Everything they're making fun of is, is is just becoming true. It was true then, and it's true now. It's it's uh, you're right. I mean, right down to the sponsors being on everything. Geico well, Start Zone. I mean, <laughs> if only you could complain about that in IndyCar, I'd be happy to have that problem. All right. Well, when there's the Geico Starting Zone, yeah. um, I suppose that's when we'll we'll say IndyCar's finally gotten back to where it needed to be. Finally arrived. Good God. All right. Nothing NASCAR curb. Sorry to put you through that. But uh, congrats to Austin Sindrick, the strong IndyCar connection there. Yeah, great job at just blocking David Blaney out just so blatantly at the end so you could win. It was his son, Ryan Blaney, but yeah. Well, it was impressive, was he blocked Blaney, and then he dove down to the bottom to make sure that Bubba Wallace wasn't going to get there either. Yeah, that's right. It makes him a master at restrictor play racing. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes poor Ryan Blaney – Realize exactly where he's at on the in the team blood, <laughs> team Penske world. Right, blood blood being thicker than water. <laughs> you gonna go? Who are you gonna go complain to? <laughs> <laughs> no one, absolutely right. no. Which his comments after the race seemed to in, indicate. Um, <laughs> one more thing on that. I'm gonna say it was Harvick, but I, I could be wrong on this. Again, hearkening back to Talladega Nights, Harvick was on, it's spinning and wrecking. And was on the radio to his pit crew, um, you know, talking about it as he's doing it. 
and it reminded me of like Ricky Bobby, like when he's has his big big <laughs> rack, you know, and he's like talking, I'm upside down, it's not going good, you know. It just reminded me so much of that. But all right, so let's talk about IndyCar. Let's uh, let's let's talk about the most obvious thing first. Uh, it was won by somebody new. Imagine that. Yeah. So Kirby, I thought you asked a lot of good questions uh, last podcast. I think this race maybe answered some of them, gave us indications on others and kind of left us in the dark still on others. But I, so the obvious one is Scotty M. We, I think we brought up Scotty M like he was going to need a good season. I think in one race, maybe he's, he's done enough, right. To, 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 to remain on, unless he, it goes terribly wrong. He's done enough to get a Penske contract next year. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I think he would have had to do very poorly to, to not get a third year, but um, I would think a legitimate contender any weekend has to have gained a lot of confidence. I say this often, one swallow does not make a spring. And so I think we got to be careful drawing too many definitive conclusions from one race. But it's quite an achievement to have his background come where he's come from and, and, you know, have basically one full year under his belt and then to kind of have a commanding performance like that, including, let's face it, getting a pole. Top notch if you can beat out power or pole which, position. Which brings us to another interesting thing. One of the things we did talk about last podcast was the you know apparent uh, deficit of Chevy to Honda on street courses. That situation also appears to have been rectified. They talked a lot about uh, the work that Chevy did on improving the uh, drivability. Would have to have been on road and street courses. Uh, getting out of the slow turns, I think, is uh, what was talked about over the winter. Ray Gosselin was hired away from Andretti to uh, help Chevy. Uh, I mean, Chevy hired Ray Gosselin, not another team. And I guess Ray Gosselin helped over the winter Chevy's efforts to uh, improve the drivability and catch up to to Honda. And that sure seems to have paid off. Huge. And it's also going to help power on his endeavor to get the pole record, I think, because now he he can be a pole contender on those courses, those type of courses. And, uh, you know, that's going to help him a lot. Good news for Power is he hadn't screwed up a season so far. He's uh, he's he's a legitimate contender still. You know he's had good starts before, only to yeah. So yeah. I, I, jury's he, still a little out in my mind. He, he's had horrible starts before too. <laughs> so Curb, one of the guys that you were saying, you know, fresh start and he's going to do great is uh, Simone Pagano. Uh, do you still feel that way, Curb? Well, he looked good in qualifying, right? One of the big questions about. Meyer Shank last year was their strategy calls, right? Obviously, they made the wrong call this weekend. Now, he started ahead of, he started ahead of Helio. He started ahead of Harvey. Started ahead of Award, even. All those guys beat him on the three-stop strategy. You can't blame it all on the strategy, I don't think. But I still would expect him to be pretty competitive this season. All right. I think you're being uh, overly generous, but we'll see. Curb, one of the things that I said uh, when we talked about guys shifting uh, teams that I thought Grosjean was kind of uh, an easy one to say he's going to do the best of the guys that shifted teams. Certainly the results and his qualifying performance would indicate that I could be onto something there. One of the things you said was that uh, Grosjean was kind of up and down. He apparently made the same mistake he made last year where he mistaked uh, 300 feet for 300 meters again, wouldn't you say? Uh, I know what you mean, but uh, uh, but he won't admit it this year. So it was uh, it's funny, uh, even when they asked him about it on screen, when they finally got corralled him, uh, he said something unintelligible and they just kept on talking about other things. Like the other quote I saw was that he and Takuma d- agreed to disagree about what happened. And 
I have a feeling Grosjean agreed to disagree. I have a feeling Sato didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I come on. Just be better off saying that I screwed up. I was blinded by the sun, or I uh, was looking down at my you know dashboard or something. Just didn't expect to see to be cars there. So. It's the Formula One coming out in them. You know, yeah. years of Formula One where you can't do that. You know, so maybe this is a lesson for him. Is like, dude. Just kind of cop it. I mean, you in some bizarro world where he wasn't in the wrong on that one, it still just looks so bad. You know, you got guys like yeah. barely moving and you just go flying into the back of them. I mean, it's just I don't think there's any way you're going to talk your way out of like somehow that wasn't your fault. No, there's even the, you know, the answers on TV would, uh, you know, they would kind of pause for a minute. Just, oh, there's really nothing you can say there. <laughs> Curb, does Alexander Rossi want Rob Epps back? He's got to want something back, I think. Uh, I I can't imagine how that post-race discussion went. <laughs> it's like there had to be a lot of frank discussion, perhaps IRL days brought up. Uh, God only knows. Brian Barnhart, let's face it, he's not – I'll, I'll just say he's, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a fan. My head nearly exploded when I heard he was going to be on the stand for uh, Rossi. That just seems crazy to me. Now, it also it also seems like a very unlikely pairing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's it's like the personality thing is very strange too. And it just seemed an interesting choice to me. And um and obviously did not go well the the first race. Andretti still seems to be a team that's hurting their drivers as much as helping them. You take that strategy call, which told her to had to save massive amounts of fuel at the end because yeah, because he got short filled. Got short filled on one of the earlier yeah. stops. Contrast that to a Palau who starts 10th and and is able to finish second on that first pit stop. His team picked up four spots for him. Looking, they got to look inwards there. That team, I think. Uh, Curb, uh, one of your pointed questions from last week uh, involved uh, a certain Renus VK. You know, he qualified well. I mean, excellently, right? And uh, and raced well. So um, with a team that's not the best on street courses. So. Maybe uh, maybe we're going to be wrong there. Maybe he's going to prove us wrong, and he's going to be back in form. If he can regain his form and combine that with uh, the apparent improvements that Chevrolet made, could be a potent combination for him. Teammate didn't do so well, Curb. No, uh, Connor Daly is still Connor Daly, whether he's got uh, job security or not uh, so far. <sighs> you know, other people are talking about it, but I got to mention it. Um, Jimmy Johnson. And I'm, I'm sure he's as disappointed with himself as, uh, but uh, kind of a disappointing weekend overall, I would say. You know, I think a guy like Johnson probably suffers more than a lot of these other guys from the lack of track time during the winter. Do you think he's too polite sometimes? I mean, when, when he lets somebody go by, he just lets a whole freight train go by. Well, you know, I'm, let... pre- I'm pretty sure you would get no agreement from that from Will Power. Um, yeah, I watched I watched that uh, in the races I physically attended last year. I watched that phenomenon with him. It was more understandable last year as he was, you know, a neophyte and he knew it and he was making sure that he didn't um, mess anybody up and be considerate of all these guys and so on. But but I mean, yesterday he was, you know, if you were Scott Dixon or Will Power or someone's or Power, right, he was on reds and struggling and he had a train behind him and he didn't let everybody go by. He's got to sack up a little bit and say, not worry him. Yeah, well, I'm here. Pass me. Right? Pass yeah. me. I'm not going to let you go by. Another guy who probably looking for signs of a, a renaissance uh, and didn't uh, quite get it, it was uh, Mr. Rosenquist. Sure did not, did we? No. Uh, and, and really, the team wasn't that good either this weekend. Because he's got the top engineer now in his camp. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, arguably the top engineer in the paddock. Right. Uh, you got the guy from Penske, right? Gavin Ward is supposed to be a wonder kind as an engineer. Uh, not to mention all the Formula One resources back in uh, Woking, right? If the teams go in the wrong direction, he is he still needs to be the measure of award. You know, uh, if he's not, I, I can't see him making it beyond this year. He better be. Uh, I'm going to say top ten at a minimum, or he's or he's uh, looking for a new ride next year. Yeah. Let's go over the rookies real quick, Curb. Your David Malukas, who you picked to be rookie of the year, uh, came in last. That's true. That was not not a good start for David. <laughs> you know, again, using that metric, uh, he didn't qualify that well either. So, no, um, he was not, not. Not a good start. That's looking like maybe you might be a bit off. I was fairly impressed by uh, David and Dave Francesco's efforts. He looked like he belonged. Uh, your, your guy, Lundgaard, was the top rookie of the race. Um, I would say Tatiana uh, Calderon performed as expected. Is that fair to say, Kerm? Yeah, you know, um, most experienced IndyCar rookie in a long time, uh, who magically became uh, the uh, uh, rookie that was challenged on you know, not having many laps in the car. Uh, so, um, you know, to be fair to her, not a lot of laps. She probably had fewer laps than anybody in the car coming into this race. So um, she didn't embarrass herself and um i think she's been taking lessons from dalton kellett right how to be at the back and not annoy people to death well he might have handed her some cliff notes but uh he he was far up the field there this week uh Uh, yeah really really good weekend for dalton amazing qualifying performance for mr kellett maybe he's just a slow learner you know they say these uh, rookies often don't get the opportunity to learn on the job anymore uh, with patience from their owners so full marks to him like i said I'm, i'm i'm being half serious when I say maybe he's just a slow learner, you know, maybe he's just one of these guys that needs, needs the laps and gets it, but that nobody ever gets the opportunity to do. And he wouldn't either if, uh, if daddy wasn't, you know, putting the bill. Kerba, uh, I think we've kind of talked that race to death. Uh, any, uh, other observations you care to make or comments you care to make about it? Well, uh, ratings, uh, TV ratings were very good, right? Their best, opening race ratings since 2011 or something like that. And I guess their attendance on site was uh, up, I think they said 50% over 2019. I'm thinking that the uh, February date agrees with the event, and hopefully they can uh, keep it in uh, late February going forward. Yeah, I I think maybe that's a lesson to be drawn from it, and I hope I think it's much better to start this early, even though we got to wait three weeks. Was it three weeks? Three weeks to Texas, yeah. And that's the other unfortunate thing. We're going to Texas. Like, whatever person watched that race, hey, that was pretty good. I'll, you know, I'll watch the next one. Now comes Texas. Right. First things first, three weeks is a killer. Off of, you know, a really largely successful event. If Texas is the way it's been the last couple of years, then, yeah, that'll be a downer. Uh, they did add some bits and pieces, I guess, you can add to the car to play with the downforce level. So maybe, maybe a little bit more downforce will help. Um, hopefully, Curb, hopefully chances that there will be the racing will be any different this year. I know you're a skeptic and I don't blame you. Try to throw out a couple of reasons for hope. If everybody's happy with the way St. Pete went uh, from the TV guys to the, the town of uh, St. Pete and uh, the promoters and IndyCar, then uh, maybe that could become a tentpole, you know, season opener and keep it in in late February. And then 
maybe Texas in the future can slide up a week or two. And uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to make this a season long rant. But if they don't fix that track at Texas, it should slide off the schedule is where it should slide to. Yeah, with Eddie Gossage gone, it may it may not be as long for this world. <laughs> Replace it with Coda and let's go. Right. I mean, let's just or Pocono. I'd be back there in a heartbeat. All right. We're to weird. We're to the wise. We're to the wise. I can, guarantee, I can guarantee you four tickets sold to Pocono if you go. <laughs> there we go. Um, I would feel remiss if uh, I didn't mention the Andretti F1 things that have happened uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, where, you know, he's obviously applying to start a new team as opposed to buying an existing one now. I wonder if you have the same view, Curb. What's really strange to me is that when people talk about, you know, like, oh, it'd be great, you know, for F1 to have an American team in F1, they completely ignore, or it seems to be completely ignored, that there already is an American team in F1. Well, uh, they're an American team that refuses to proclaim itself an American team, aren't they? A, they sold their soul to the devil, or what appears, what is now the devil, right? A uh, uh, Russian oligarch. I think that's at least part of the reason why they're not considered a U.S. team, because, like, they they basically are a Russian team. Uh, at this point, because they're financed exclusively by by this oligarch. That'll be a great Drive to Survive episode for uh, this year, because the obvious thing to do is why wouldn't Gene Haas just sell the business to Andretti, be done with it? Gene Haas was hanging on for the new um, regulations, wasn't he, and the new financial arrangements and all that kind of thing? Well, you might be onto something with the, you know, waiting for the rule change, but, uh, you know, and they've kind of gone all in on this rule change. So if they are still the back markers after this rule change, personal opinion, you could see Haas, you know, looking for the exits at that point. That will be a kind of an interesting thing to watch, and we'll see. I noted that, been reported that they made $91 million Formula One last year, and they paid four point. For the reported number is 4.4 billion. That puts the return uh, around 2% curb from quick math. That's not exactly knocking it out of the park yet, is it? When they conquer America, Katie bar the door, right? They'll be raking in the cash. Well, I wonder if it's kind of akin to like, you know, you, you see what people pay for like NFL franchises, you know, and it seems outrageous at the time. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, it seems like a bargain. I'm sure that's what they're counting on, but I'm sure it's early in their, uh, and their investment horizon, or they're happy to be in the black. When you think about it with the drive to survive, uh, how well that's gone for them. I mean, they couldn't have anticipated that when they paid $4.4 billion for it. I mean, it seems like it a crazy amount of money. It still seems like a crazy amount of money, right? No, I agree. But um, I, well, I, gained, I gained one bit of respect, a little ounce of respect for Ecclestone. He was offered a knighthood in England, and he turned it down, but he didn't think he deserved it. A little bit more respect for him than I might have had previously. Actually, a lot more. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Paul McCartney didn't turn it down. Well, I'm sure most people, don't. <laughs> most people don't. I'm still waiting for my invitation. Yeah, I bet. Curb, uh, anything else? Take a moment to uh, acknowledge the passing of Danny Angaius, the flying Hawaiian. Many uh, younger fans may not remember him or know who he is, but uh, you know, quite a varied background when you read the stories about about his career. Rest in peace to Danny Angaius. Uh, fast qualifying efforts and uh, some really horrendous wrecks at, uh, at Indy. There was one car he had, a black car curb, which I remember seeing. It was unique. Uh, it was a memorable car. It had like this really weird, it was an Interscope racing car. It had a really weird back end. I just remember that car. And like I said, there's so many, you know, so many liveries, so many cars. They're all so forgettable. But um, 
there was that one. All right, Curb. Can I talk about this, the indie split book one more time as I've, I'm finishing it now? Sure. Maybe the most interesting part of the book to me was at the end when he had you know various people commenting, you know, writing kind of their views on the split. Yeah. Ari Lyon, Dyke, Mario Andretti. The one that really stuck out to me, I don't know about to you, was Andrew Craig. Yeah. That was interesting. There was some new news in there that that you know I hadn't read before and just really kind of laid bare. God, you just you, you, your mind just reels what could have been. It's a crying shame, it really is. Yeah, it's a tragedy. So in a day when we're celebrating TV ratings that are um, close to the, the the feeder series for NASCAR on a non-network ch- uh, channel, right? Right. You just shake your head. You read that, you know, they, they had not not only were their, their ratings and attendance and everything else were better than NASCAR is, you know, by a lot. Back in those days, um, even Bernie Ecclestone felt threatened by IndyCar. Popularity for IndyCar at that time was was unmatched in the last, you know, 40 years, 50 years of uh, racing in America. And uh, and they pissed it away. NASCAR was the winner. True, true, true. All right, Kerm. Uh, Twitter, at Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar, at Hero, IndyCar. Sponsors, South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast and the owner, Saul, will give you a generous discount. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you before Texas. All right, take care, everybody.